0: The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. Michael Graves
1: Show. Hello. How come I rich and you not? How come you not sell real estate like I do? How come I sleep with your wife while you at work and then I pee in your toilet and don't flush? And sometimes I open the back part and I pee in there so that when you flush, pee come out. You know
0: why? Because I'm smart. I'm smart, you stupid. Michael Graves. We're dealing with one sick son of a bitch. Okay, okay, let's try to watch the language. There's children present, huh? Yeah? That's right, one in ten support D's Nuts for present. The zip code famous Michael Groff show.
1: Hey, that's just a regular unattractive guy who's not famous. Michael if it's a legitimate rape, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down. And you're an idiot. Ah! At the tone, the time will be
0: 26 Railroad the zip code famous Michael Graff show Oh that's what gay is Oh yeah I could totally get into that The following program is in the hands of a guy whose professional and personal lives are about as depressing as the idea of Donald Trump with access to the nuclear codes From his exile in the urban desert It's the zip code famous Michael Graff show no, I- Boldly going where only maybe a few hundred, maybe a thousand, maybe 10,000 people in this business have ever gone before. Yes, it is a special edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show, special in the sense that today marks the beginning of a new chapter, well, at least an experimental chapter of our show. For years, and I don't know why this is, but people have requested... And thought it would be a good idea to take this show and expand it. And not only have it it be a podcast, an audio broadcast, but also a video broadcast. And today marks the start of the video broadcast era of the zip code famous Michael Groff show. Yes. Now you get to stare at my ugly mug for whatever reason. I don't know why you'd want to, but you do. You get to stare at me for 60 or 90 minutes or however long we do this show today. As I uh, do this show, I don't know why you'd want to watch me press buttons and read off of stuff and stare at monitors way too close because, you know, I am blind and all. And just do what I do and probably pick my nose because I forget that there's a camera here. But indeed, that's what we're doing today. And so I guess the first thing I should mention is I'm probably not always going to be looking over at the camera because it's kind of awkward. I'd have to sit back like this and then look over at the camera. So if you're watching us right now, that's what I'm doing. I'm sort of leaning back, and I'm looking over in the general direction of the camera because it's kind of awkward in here. Things are set up in a way that is favorable for audio broadcasting, not necessarily for video. Uh, So there is that. And if you've never seen in here before, you can certainly go over to YouTube. I'm going to post this show over there so you can check it out as well and see how it all works in here. But uh, I've got a lot of keyboards. got a lot of pianos in here. And I don't think we're ever going to incorporate that in the show. I don't know how I'd ever be able to, but uh, there's... There's that. So that's certainly an element that I have at my disposal. And I've always had that in here. But now that we have it on video, you know, you could, I guess, watch me do that. Uh, Sometimes in the breaks, you know, in between segments, I do that sometimes. I unwind. Believe it or not, after talking about some of this political stuff, sometimes it's actually fun to unwind... And de-stress. I know you'd think that I'd want to talk politics all the time. You'd think that when you listen to this show that I'm just fired up all the time, and that I'm just nothing but a ball of energy that just goes around and does voices. And I mean that's kind of true, but I do need time to unwind as well. So uh, that's why we're here. We're doing the uh, the video version, and I don't know what kind of cool effects, if any, we're going to have on it, or if it's just a camera pointed at me doing this show. There's a lot of experimentation that's going to happen, and I'm going to need your suggestions as well. So you can certainly send those over to groffshow at gmail.com. That's the email address for me, groffshow at gmail.com. And so I will certainly take your suggestions to heart, including never do the video cast again. We don't care. I know. I get it. Uh, The podcast, of course, is still going to be the the central focus, and that is going to be what most of you are probably going to wind up listening to. Uh, But just it's something that's out there if you want to check it out. So go ahead and do that. All right. We got a lot of stuff to get into on the show today. It's kind of weird. I don't even know where to start, really. I guess we'll get into, first of all, the Los Angeles Dodgers are back in the World Series for the first time since 1988. The Dodgers are in the World Series. And uh, they'll probably be taking on the Yankees. Uh, they'll be in there uh, tonight after they eliminate the Astros. It certainly looks that way anyway. The, uh, the Yankees have certainly been the more dominant team in this series. And so it'll likely be a Yankees-Dodgers World Series, which is exactly what Major League Baseball wants. And really any major sport, unless they're lying to you, will tell you that they want L.A. and New York always in their championship games. If it were up to the NFL, it would be the Giants and the Rams, or I'm sorry, the Jets and the Rams, or uh, the Giants and the Chargers, uh, whatever. Although I don't think the Chargers are going to be staying in Los Angeles very long. I think that their time in L.A. is pretty short. Um, what are they getting, about 20,000 fans, maybe? Uh, they're getting more fans, probably 3-1 to one for opposing teams than they are for the Chargers there. And, of course, the Cardinals are uh, going over to play the Rams in London this weekend, so that's terrible. Uh, so the NFL and the ratings are down in the NFL again, if you saw that. Uh, this is the uh, the Thursday night ratings. Uh, they're down, well, overall for the season, they're down 7.5%. They're down 18% from 2015. So the National Anthem stuff, the fact that it's mediocre football, although last night's game was actually good, but for the most part we're talking about mediocre football, and that is certainly not helping the cause for the NFL. Um, so... Everything is is weighing down on them, and now Roger Goodell is talking to all the teams and trying to figure out a way to make this national anthem garbage and, and the protests and all this stuff go away because it's bad business for the NFL. Personally, I don't care about it. It's one of those things that doesn't really matter to me, but obviously Roger Goodell and uh, the networks are having a big problem with it as well so there's that and then of course i'll mention one other thing here with sports i know a lot of people don't like it when oh god he's talking about sports again i hate that i hate when he talks about sports but um i will mention one other thing the phoenix suns the nba season kicked off the other night a little bit earlier this year and the phoenix suns had their home opener against the portland trailblazers celebrating their 50th anniversary in the nba and what a momentous occasion! Great job to the Phoenix Suns. Really coming out on fire, uh, and losing by almost fifty. <laughs> they lost uh, one. I believe it was one twenty-four to seventy-six in a game that wasn't even that close. Portland had well over a fifty-point lead in this game, and uh, it was the largest home-opening loss in NBA history. Uh, for uh, well, for any team ever. Period. And it was, of course, the largest home-opening loss for the Phoenix Suns. the lar- Their largest loss at home ever. Uh, never mind just a home opener. So that was a disaster. And Robert Sarver doing a great job with the Phoenix Suns, taking an organization, a once-proud organization, celebrating their 50th season, uh, who historically had the third-highest winning percentage in the NBA, and they have since destroyed that. Robert Sarver has since uh, taken that apart. And you can say, well, you know, he had Nash and Stoudemire and Marion and all that from 2005 to 2010, except that Jerry Colangelo and Brian Colangelo and the regime before him built most of those guys, uh, so he can't even really take credit for that. In the NBA, if you don't make the playoffs for a season, it's kind of a joke. If you don't make the playoffs for five or six or seven seasons, that's not only a joke, that's just ridiculous. Um. And I think there's only two other teams in the league that have not made the playoffs for the same length of time as the Suns, and that's the last six and now seven seasons. Um, I think Sacramento and Minnesota. And that's really great company to be keeping. Sacramento and Minnesota, um, you know, two of the other worst franchises in the league, uh, run terribly. I don't even know how the Minnesota Timberwolves stay in the league, I don't know how they haven't just been contracted. They get all number one picks or all top five draft picks every single season. um, And somehow they can't parlay that into winning ever. So anyway, that's the NBA. That's all that. So we got that out of the way. The other story that I haven't really been talking about on the show, and it's become pretty big news, and that's the Harvey Weinstein stuff. And for me, it just hasn't really moved the meter because I always just thought that that's the way Hollywood always worked. I thought that it was just one of those things where the whole casting couch stereotype about how that's how actresses and actors get their jobs by sleeping with various people. I just thought that that was the way of show business, but apparently it's wrong and it's evil. Um, and and of course it is. I mean, Harvey Weinstein's a scumbag uh, at the very least. Now he hasn't been convicted of anything and I think it's very important that we mention that, especially for those of us that you know don't want to see a libel or slander suit against us, but uh, so far has not been convicted of rape or anything, but certainly the allegations are out there. And there are many, many stories about him, even if he's not raping people about very inappropriate behavior, Uh, and all of these people in Hollywood who are now becoming righteous about it, which is very weird. And I'm sorry to say this, but I think most people in Hollywood are just as guilty as Harvey Weinstein, even if they weren't actually abusing people. You hear all of these stories from these directors and producers and other actors and actresses that say, oh yeah, we knew about this. We knew Harvey Weinstein was up to no good. We knew the guy was crazy. We knew the guy was um, going after people all the time and putting his hands all over everyone. And we knew there were probably some rapes that were going on too. We just didn't say anything about it. To anybody that did that, you are just as complicit it as harvey weinstein it's just like if you witness a bank robbery or a murder and you don't say anything about it that makes you just as guilty as the person that does it in the eyes of the law you are an accessory to the crime so the problem here is that uh harvey weinstein's a creep yeah but most of hollywood are a bunch of creeps and you know we've heard stories from guys over the years like Corey feldman has come out and he's tried to talk about how uh there was all of this abuse going on in Hollywood and no one wanted to pay attention to him and no one wanted to hear his story. And now he feels a little bit vindicated because he was one of the people that came out. But most of the people wouldn't say anything. And the reason they wouldn't was because they didn't want to jeopardize their careers, their precious career. They didn't want to cost themselves money. They figured, well, you know, I'll just keep my mouth shut and, you know, maybe one day I'll come out and say something about it. But for now, I, oh, I, I can't possibly risk my uh, my lifestyle. I can't risk my fortune to come out against somebody. And you hear all these guys, Kevin Smith, I guess he's going to donate some money. Like there are a few people in all of this that come out looking okay. Like Kevin Smith who says, you know, anything, uh, any project that I had that was associated with this, I'm going to donate money uh, to victims funds and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, You know, these crisis centers and all this, and that's fine. That's great. But there's so many people in Hollywood. This is why Hollywood is such an incestuous business. And, you know, you read all these articles and this obviously has been going back for a very long time. This isn't just Harvey Weinstein either. There's going to be stories about other guys that's going to come out in the wash, too. So hopefully Harvey Weinstein spends a very long time in jail if he, in fact, raped people. So I don't want to come across as having as defending him. I just want to say that there's a lot more guilty parties involved in all this. The, the whole casting couch stereotype and uh starlets sleeping their way to the top and you know this happens in all walks of life but there is no bigger uh there's no bigger problem there certainly isn't one place that it is more prominent than in hollywood that's for sure all right uh <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i uh, i know this is a serious story but i just can't help it um I'm sitting here as I'm I'm going through my show notes here. And you know, this is what I do. I'm just trying to look at, you know, the next thing I wanted to talk about. And then I I looked up and I hadn't really looked at this before the show started. And so now I'm looking at it and this is just one of the most um awkward things ever. Megan Kelly, you know, it's not going so well for Megan Kelly over there on the uh Today show or whatever they're calling it, Megan Kelly today. She wanted to be kind of an Oprah like person you know she the only problem with Megyn Kelly is she is exactly like Oprah except for the fact that she's white uh, has no resonance with the viewers whatsoever and uh, is just awkward in every possible way she has absolutely zero presence absolutely zero command of a stage asks the most inappropriate and weird questions uh, and frankly nobody cares about Megyn Kelly either Uh, but other than that she's just like Oprah But she wants that so bad, and she got paid so much money by NBC to go over there to stop talking politics and just to have this lighthearted show. Well, it's obviously going very badly. The ratings are down, but the worst part is you can tell it's going badly because now Megyn Kelly is, she's dancing on her show. If you're listening to the audio version of this uh, show if you're listening to the podcast this isn't going to resonate too well with you you're not really going to get this uh, the full effect of this but she's dancing we'll post a link to this over on michaelgraff.com and you can watch the video cast and see this too but um here's a little bit this is just this <laughs> Megan Kelly dancing uh, I guess she's with who is she with here she's with Hoda Kotb I guess that's the uh, other one of those Today Show anchors and she had her on there to try and help bolster the ratings and then they both start dancing but Megan Kelly just looks wow like
1: to do to feel good I mean you know when you when you, you want to be in a really that too <laughs> I think we do know we do we know the answer, answer. <laughs> the answer is if it's not the kids and it's not the booze sometimes it's music uh, you are a big music person
0: I do. This is just not right. Uh, to those of you, th- she's dancing to Pitbull. And this is, I think that's who that is Pitbull. And this doesn't even look right. Oh my. <laughs> I've got the douche chills watching that Oh my goodness One thing we can say for sure about poor Megan Kelly Or I should say poor Megan Kelly's husband um, That dancing She is clearly not satisfying her husband I mean I am sure that That is an ice cold vagina She's got wow That is a, she looks like an ice princess She really does The frost queen cometh uh, from Megan Kelly there. That's from her show. <laughs> it's going pretty badly over there on Megan Kelly today. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, I don't even know how to continue on with the show after watching that. Man, I- I'll tell you this. Uh, you'll never see me dancing because I can't, but Uh, Even if my ratings were going terribly, nobody wants to see that. If somebody paid me money, if you paid me $5,000 to get up and shake my ass, I'm not going to do it right now. There's just no way because at least I know I'm terrible at it. My goodness. Um, Yeah, white folks should not be dancing. White, middle-aged, conservative women probably should not be dancing. Um, Man, maybe Megyn Kelly can go back to Fox News. She can beg them to take her back. I mean, yeah, she might get sexually harassed over there, but with the Harvey Weinstein stuff going on right now, I'm guessing that she'll probably have a pretty good chance of making it back over there without uh, too much damage. Uh, NBC is having buyer's remorse. There's no question about that. (laughs) That looked just weird. I don't even know what to make of that. All right, look, we got a lot to get into on the show, but uh, first I got to take a break. I don't even know how I can recover from (laughs) watching that. Um, all right. We'll be back. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff show. For reasons unknown. You're still listening to the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff show. Michaelgroff.com. <laughs> code famous michael groff show on a friday the 20th of october 2017 it's our pilot episode for the video cast version of the program where you can just be staring at me pressing buttons and listening to bumper music and reading stuff but for whatever reason there are people that think that that's probably entertaining i don't know i see a lot of other video casts that do pretty much the same thing so i don't know Uh, My podcast is better than anybody else's, so why shouldn't my video cast? I mean, other than the fact that it's got my face on it, what what I should probably figure out how to do is work uh, the video equipment better, video editing stuff better, and I'll just put someone else's face. I'll put, uh, I don't know, some hot celebrity, somebody that looks better than me, which, you know, is most of them. I'll put, uh, I don't know, who's George Clooney's face on mine. There. You can watch. (laughs) Anyway, um, groffshow at gmail.com That's our email address Michael Groff on Twitter The Michael Groff Show on Facebook And for everything else Michael Groff related It's the one and only michaelgroff.com And while you're there Well, you can listen to previous editions of this program You can always um, Donate to our show Groffshow at gmail.com Is our address on PayPal Or you can do it directly at michaelgroff.com so it's all there and available to you and who knows I guess you can check us out on YouTube and uh, stuff like that also alright you know it's been a rough week for Donald Trump guy has not had a well been a rough uh what 10 months almost now for donald trump really in fact today what today is uh, the the ninth month anniversary of his time in office so that's a momentous occasion i suppose right well in any event uh the donald did not have a very good week um, because once again he made another one of these outrageous claims that he likes to make and he seems to do this all the time I don't know why he can't just say something, why it always has to be the most spectacular, why he has to be the best or the greatest or whatever. But here he is again. On Monday, he came out and said that uh, pretty much uh, pretty much none of the other presidents before me uh, would call every single family member of a fallen soldier. I'm the only one that does that. Really, I'm the huge one here. I'm tremendous for doing it. I don't know about Barack Obama and George W. Bush. I don't think they did it like I do. They called some of them, but not all. That's what he said. He said they called some of them, not all. But my policy is I'll call every single one of them. Yeah, okay, whatever. I. That's just a blatant lie. And I know that sometimes he likes to exaggerate. And, you know, there's a there's a fine line between exaggerations and lies. But this is just a blatant lie by the president uh barack obama you may not have been the biggest fan of barack obama or george w bush or bill clinton or anybody before that but i do find it very funny that you would make that claim mr president about them uh knowing that barack obama called every single one of them uh george w bush and this is not completely well known uh, but he actually went and visited some of these folks Uh, He had some of these families in the White House. He sat down with many of them. Uh, There were tears shed. You know, the stories have come out that uh, George W. Bush felt terrible this. He is raked with guilt over what's happened. Um, And he has certainly talked about that. He feels terrible about it. And that's why he's so quiet for the most part. Uh, Barack Obama feels a lot of the same things. And you can say what you want about those guys in terms of their policies and what they did and I know that George W. Bush got us into some of these wars and I know that Barack Obama did all these drone strikes and killed a lot of people as well and I know that they both perpetuated these things but to say that they're not human or to suggest that they are not as compassionate as Donald Trump that is just ridiculous Uh, what an incredibly stupid thing to say now of course this is typical for Donald Trump actually I'm really doing a great job. You know what he actually said too? And I, I didn't even have this in my show notes, but he actually said, I give myself a 10 out of 10 for Puerto Rico. I think I did a great job. Really, I did a fantastic job. Got everyone in there. Puerto Rico's back to normal now, which it isn't. Puerto Rico's doing great, and I give myself uh, a 10 for style on that one. No, y- you don't. You don't deserve a 10 out of 10. Arguing with the mayor of San Juan, uh, telling Puerto Rico things like, It's almost as if they expect us to do everything for them. I mean, what are these people? Do they think they're Americans or something, these brown people down there? I mean, it's an island. It's surrounded by big water, deep water, ocean water. He actually said that, and he gives himself a 10. 10 out of 10. He probably gives himself an A+. I do give myself an A+, actually. Give myself an A+, because I know, by the way, crazy hand gestures. I do them a lot. I do this kind of thing, doing a lot of the crazies. The reason I give myself an A-plus is because, look, uh, no other president has faced the scrutiny. No other president has faced the pressure that I have. So I'm doing a great job. It's very obvious. So that is, uh, that's part of his bad week. And then, uh, you know, the health care thing, of course, that didn't go through. But he is probably going to get his uh, tax cut plan pushed through. Uh, Rand Paul says that he's all in on it. Even though Rand Paul did vote against the latest budget resolution because, uh, among other things, uh, it creates um, yet more debt. But so does the tax cut plan, which Rand Paul is all in on. I don't know. I can't figure out Rand Paul and I can't figure out these Republicans. But, you know, they came in there um, for years. The crusade by the Republicans was against the Obama administration because under Barack Obama, the national debt doubled. That's just a fact. It did. It did. I went from about ten trillion to almost twenty trillion. Under the Bush administration, the debt doubled. So we went from about five trillion to about ten trillion. So under the two previous administrations, the debt doubled each time. And Donald Trump, rightfully so, and others criticized Barack Obama, criticized George Bush, and said that, you know, when I get my turn in office, uh, when I get a net, we're gonna reduce the debt, it's gonna be gone. Uh, it's going to be, by the by the time I'm done, it's going to be completely gone. We're going to be operating at a surplus. Yeah, okay. And here's how that's working out so far. Uh, the latest budget uh, resolution, of course, will increase spending. And with the tax cuts in, play, in place, uh, according to everything that I have read, uh, this is going to increase the deficit by about $1.5 trillion. So that's just more money that we're tacking on to the debt. Um, Because of tax cuts And I'm not against tax cuts Don't get me wrong I think there are We need incentives to keep businesses Operating here in the United States And I'm all for tax cuts on certain people But uh, there comes a point Where you're going to have to tighten your belt And you're going to have to How about cutting the spending You know, if you're going to have tax cuts you got to cut spending as well And we're not cutting spending We have a a bloated military budget Uh, We have uh, Well, we have a bloated budget on everything but the military budget uh, comprises uh, over forty—I believe it's forty-two or forty-three percent of our overall budget—is the military, and the military, you know, all of those um, all of those ground troops that we need, so that you know we can go and invade other countries or whatever it is that we're doing with them. I don't—I don't get the the giant military budget that we have. I've never understood that, but it's something that we've got, and we're not going to be getting rid of that anytime soon. Uh, and spending cuts are not something that's going to be happening anytime soon either. Uh, so the Republicans who railed against Barack Obama for debt spending, deficit spending, they're doing the exact same thing. That's something that you need to know. Uh, so that that's how Trump is going right now. But he is probably going to get the tax cut thing uh, passed. Um, he says, uh, he even tweeted out how, I have zero Democrat support, but I'm still going to get it done. Rand Paul is on board, so... Look, there's going to be some sweeping changes in Congress, I think, in 2018. Uh, It is very likely that we will see a shift toward the Democrats. Then, you know, it's the usual pendulum effect. And then people will get tired of the Democrats in a few years and we'll go back to the Republicans. Because for whatever reason, this country is obsessed with the two parties and not giving anybody else a chance. And as you can see, I mean, Donald Trump, I guess, is somebody different. I guess we gave somebody different a chance, and that's the direction it's going. You know, I saw that Oprah might want to run in 2020. Uh, I heard that. I, I don't know how true any of that is. Um, but at this point, how much worse could it get even with Oprah <laughs> in power? Oprah. Why not? We'll put Megyn Kelly in there next. <laughs> sure. Uh, all right. There's a racial diversity right there. You know, one other thing, I just wanted to mention this because uh, we were talking about the Harvey Weinstein thing in the last segment, and I Megan Kelly's dancing, speaking of, uh, got me all distracted last segment. And I just wanted to say something else about this. You know, it is a weird double standard, or it's a weird hypocrisy that Hollywood has with regard to Harvey Weinstein and all this stuff. Nobody said anything about Bill Cosby. All of those years that Bill Cosby was going around uh, raping various women and and it, there's no doubt. I mean with the sheer volume of women that have come forward to accuse Bill Cosby, there's no doubt that at least even if half even if a third of them are true, it is outrageous. Even if one's true, it's outrageous. but I mean a third or half of the number that came forward, that would be what? 30 people, Half of them, I, I think there was at least 60 women that came forward. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, that's outrageous, and Hollywood basically just said, "Ah, eh, you know, they sort of were squeamish about the topic, but nobody ever really dealt with it directly. I know a couple of these networks uh, have taken the Bill Cosby show, the Cosby show out of the rotation, um, but it wasn't that long ago. Maybe it was a month ago. I was flipping around the channels, and I saw it, and it's so weird now when you see the Cosby show, and he's just there, Claire. Get Theo down here. And you know, you're just seeing him and you're wondering, all right, now bring me my rape drugs. <laughs> you know, you're just waiting for that. That's going to happen. I mean, it's like you just wonder what happened offset. It's time for a little bit of 90 nights here, Lisa Bonet. I mean, it's, I don't get the whole turning a blind eye to that. Roman Polanski, another guy who was uh, getting with underage kids, but Hollywood loved him. Woody Allen, another guy. He slept with his own stepdaughter who was, what, 16 at the time? But everyone talks about how brilliant a director Woody Allen is. Oh, Woody Allen is brilliant. You can't say anything bad about Woody Allen. The guy is uh, the guy's a legend in this business. Don't say anything bad about Woody Allen. Well, so there's all of this stuff going on. and And, and then, of course, Bill Clinton. Let's not forget, we had a president of the United States, speaking of guys that like to grab women by the pussy, because that's who we have in office now. Yeah, I like to grab women by the pussy, but I learned for the best, learned for Bill Clinton. Hollywood was uh, embraced Bill Clinton. A lot of those guys, the liberal elite over there in Hollywood, they loved Bill Clinton. And he did the same kind of stuff. Uh, Maybe he didn't rape anybody, who knows. Uh, That's certainly been alleged, though, just like it has with Harvey Weinstein, bill clinton there's no doubt that he cheated on his wife we all know what he did with monica we know what he did with jennifer flowers we know what he did with um uh what was that other chick's name uh, paula jones and and then there were many others too but those were the big names and i don't know for whatever reason his approval rating across the country went up and uh, people in hollywood loved the guy and look i mean if you look back at his presidency he wasn't even a bad president Let's face it, Republicans and Democrats got along pretty well under the Bill Clinton administration. The, the Senate Republicans, the House Republicans, I know Newt Gingrich was there, and that, that's kind of bad, but they all managed to work together, and we even had a budget surplus. Yeah, sure, it was because of the dot-com boom, but we actually had a budget surplus, for God's sake. So people sort of embraced it and turned a blind eye to it, but now it's not okay. Okay. Now, suddenly, because of Harvey Weinstein, it's not okay. How about it's never okay? So, there you go. I, I just wanted to get that in there. I know, I know, I'm, I'm circling back around to this, and I wanted to move on to other stuff, but... Sorry, Megan Kelly's dancing distracted me in the last segment, and uh, I, uh, I couldn't find a good way to circle back around. All right, speaking of... Uh, well, this is apropos. Uh, here's a story about the guy, uh, this... <laughs> This is a British man who is known for having the smallest penis in Britain. Uh, He's just been hired to be a spokesperson for the campaign with the slogan of, quote, there's nothing wrong with a little prick. Ant Smith, known for his 3.5 inch penis, is the new face of Thriva which is the world's first preventative health service that allows people to proactively conduct blood tests. So, you know, you give yourself a shot, have your blood tested right there, yourself, send it off maybe, or, or maybe you have a strip there, whatever it is that you do. But anyway, it's a, it's a new program that they have out, and they, they have this guy with the smallest penis in Britain. Three and a half inches? That's aroused, right? That is fully. That's fully hard. Three and a, wow, three and a half inches. Oof. man, the fifty-year-old whose penis measures one to two inches when flaccid. Well, I gotta, I gotta admit, uh, you know, flat, well, one inch, man. That's man, you're hung like a light switch at that point. Yeah, I'm one of those dudes, I'm a grower, not a shower, that's for sure. But, man, three and a half inches aroused, that's uh, that's really bad. Oof. <laughs> but see, this guy's getting work. That just tells you something. For all of you people in this country that don't have a job, which I don't know how that's possible because the unemployment rate is just, like, practically zero. This guy, a, a guy with a tiny dick, has work. All right, so things are obviously going pretty well in britain things despite brexit and things are obviously going pretty well here in the united states guys with tiny weens are getting jobs here's here's the part that i like about this story though well there's two parts here number one this guy has written what he what is called the small penis bible which talks about life with a shorter than average member using comedic anecdotes and real-life stories. Look, at least the guy's embracing it. Yeah, you know, the guy is just like, listen, I got a, I got a small one, and uh, you know what? I'm making the most of it. See? I mean, the guy, it's not... Uh, what is it? It's not the size of the dinghy. It's the motion of the ocean. I don't know. But the best part of this story is uh, this dude, Ant Smith. It says here, and this is, I'm just going to read this verbatim, Mr. Smith, who lives with his wife, Christine in East London, said, quote, this campaign with Thriva is the perfect way to spread the word about preventative health. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. He has a wife. So this guy may have a tiny unit, but he's he's got a wife. So anyone out there right now who's listening, who can't find somebody, and I'm speaking specifically to, uh, I, I can think of a, a friend or two of mine that uh, that for whatever reason, they're either picky or they, they say that they can't get anybody. Look, a guy with a one-inch penis is getting laid well at least he's married i mean which probably means he's not getting laid but he's got a wife what's your excuse i mean at this point if somebody has a uh a one incher man that's just something else anyway so there's uh there's the latest on that all right keeping it on the sexually oriented theme i guess i don't know if you've heard about this but france is uh, they're passing legislation to ban cat calls. Now, to those of you who might be about thirty years or under listening to this show, cat calls are where you uh, you make noises or you call out or you whistle at passing females. Uh, this is something that uh, I've never seen it here in Phoenix. Uh, I've heard about. I've seen it in a couple of places. I've seen it in Las Vegas a couple of times, cat calls and stuff. You hear about it most prominently in New York. Construction workers do it when females are passing by. They um they do their cat calls. They're like, Hey baby, I'd like to get some of that. Or they just whistle or they say whatever crude things. Sometimes it's not even crude. Sometimes it's just like, Hey, looking good. You know, or something like that. You know. So, um but France is saying enough is enough and they're they're going to issue a fine for people that engage in cat calls i don't know and maybe i'm wrong about this and i've i obviously i've never known what it's like to live as a woman so but to me i tell you what i would be i would feel great if i was walking down the street i don't care what the chick looked like i don't care if she was hideous or if she was a perfect 10 or anywhere in between i don't care if she looked like rosie o'donnell or scarlett johansson If they whistled at me, if they said some, hey, that ass, or something like that, I would think, oh my God, I'd be beaming the rest of the day. If somebody looked at me and was able to muster it up to to catcall and say something about me and my appearance that's positive, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously, if these guys are are saying that they want to yeah, I'm going to throw you down in the back alley tonight, you know, something like that, that would be inappropriate and if they follow you around or if they threaten you then yes obviously that's inappropriate there's laws against that of course but I'm, what i'm talking about is man i don't know but i'm telling you if i if i if somebody was hitting on me or cat calling me while i'm walking down the street i would look at it as a compliment and i think a lot of these ladies that get upset about it uh, you know, it's easy to get upset about these things and get outraged about it and think that it's disgusting when some gross guy or some construction worker or some whatever hits on you. But then you you turn 35 and 40 and 45 and 50 and suddenly those catcalls disappear and nobody even notices that you're walking by. I, I don't know. Maybe... Again, I've never lived as a woman, so I guess my perspective on it is probably way off. But I'm telling you, man, if you somebody ever looked at me, you know, I, I remember we talked about this once years ago. And a woman emailed into the show and said something like, Don't worry, Mike, no one's ever gonna catcall you. You are on your best day a five. So it's not gonna happen. And I thought to myself, you know, a five. Man, I actually felt pretty good about that because to me, I'm about a three, three and a half uh, on a really good day. If I really spruce myself up, if I put on some nice clothes, um, you know, maybe if I lost about 20 pounds, I could probably be about a three and a half, maybe a three point seven five. I wouldn't go as high as a four, a five. I'm telling you, I went out with my friends for dinner that night and I said, you know what? One of my uh, listeners emailed in some some chick emailed in and said I was a five. And my friends looked at me like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm feeling great, a five? It's like, the, it's like the best news I ever had delivered to me. So I don't know, Cat calls to me, they wouldn't bother me at all. But, you know, I'm a guy. I'm a six foot four male. And I'm not, I don't get intimidated by that. But to find people for that, that's just ridiculous. But again, France does it, which means that eventually, you know what happens, stuff over there in Europe, it eventually comes here, and um, yeah, and you know what that means. That means we're going to get it pretty bad too. All right, there's a lawsuit filed by a New Jersey man against United Airlines claiming that the airline did little to help after a drunken passenger urinated on him during a cross-country flight earlier this year. Daniel Card, uh, he claims that the airline allowed an intoxicated passenger, a man, to board the flight. Then made no efforts to intervene as the man relieved himself on Card's leg. Card is subsequently, uh, he was subsequently forced to endure a flight from Los Angeles to Newark, covered in another man's pee, <laughs> with allegedly little help from the flight crew. I'm going to stop right there. I- I'll tell you what, I actually believe this. Now, I- this did not happen to me on United, but um, I-, I was flying to Jacksonville uh, for a job interview. And uh, so I went from Phoenix to Charlotte and then Charlotte to Jacksonville. The Charlotte to Jacksonville flight, it's about an hour. And next to me, there was this kid. He's just screaming in my ear. He's probably three years old, two and a half, three years old. And he's there with his dad, you know, single dad of the year. And um, this kid is screaming. He's just going on and on for 55 friggin' minutes and about minute 50, 52 or so, the guy just, the, the kid just goes and just all over me. He just throws up all over me. I got nice clothes on. You know, I'm going across the country, getting ready for a job interview, blah. Just the kid just barfs all over me. And um then finally, I say something. Now, I, I said something to the father earlier. I'm like, hey, man, uh, this kid's like screaming in my ear. And look, I had my noise canceling headphones on. I had. Well, it wasn't these headphones, but just like them, just like my studio headphones. And I mean, these things are great, but I mean, I could still hear him because he's, he's this close to my ear. He is five inches from my friggin' ear, screaming, just going on. And so then when I was getting off the flight, covered in puke, of course, uh, everyone, all the flight attendants uh, just ignored me. This is U.S. Airways, of course except one who was very, very apologetic and was, oh my God, you know, just uh, whatever we can do. But, you know, of course I I complained about it, but the airline doesn't care. Quote, as the flight was getting ready to take off, the passenger seated in 24E took took out his penis, aimed it at Card and proceeded to urinate all over Card's leg while Card was confined to his seat Due to an imminent departure. So this was at the beginning of the flight. Dude just whipped it out and just peed right on him. People are animals on flights. I I actually believe this story in its entirety. No question about it. Like, I don't even doubt this story at all. Because that isn't the only time I've had any problem on a plane myself. I know I have uh, other times, too. It's not just kids screaming at you, although that is the biggest problem. But you got people that... um, yeah, you, know, you got guys spilling stuff all over you. You got drunks that just sit there and, and talk and drool all over you like animals. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things that uh, they just need to get control of. And I say it's time to stop serving alcohol on planes. That's my solution to it. Although, in this case, it probably wouldn't have mattered because the guy was drunk when he got on the plane. So, I don't know. Maybe we just have to make it so you can't fly drunk. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but there's got to be a solution that that is better than this because I've experienced not a guy urinating on me, but certainly I've had my problems on planes. (laughs) I don't know. I guess there is no solution because now that I'm thinking about it, we can't outlaw assholes. We just can't. I wish we could. I wish there was something we could do about it, but we can't. Can't ban assholes. All right, look, we got to take a break. And when we get back... We'll uh, get into the rest of the stuff. We have our normal features, the song of the day, and our uh, big segments, you know, uh, all that stuff that we like to do. In the third segment, we lighten it up a little bit. Um, Australia. Australia has an interesting investigation that they've conducted, and it's about time. I was really hoping that Australia would join us and uh, get to the bottom of this mystery, and they may have solved what happened with flight... Uh, What is this? Uh, MH... Uh, 370, the, the Malaysian Airlines flight. Uh, they have solved the problem with it. So we'll get into that too. It's all coming up. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff show. Oh, we'll be back. Zip code famous. It's the zip code famous, zip code famous. Michael Groff show. MichaelGroff.com Jesus shape. the zip code famous Michael Groff show on a Friday the 20th of October. I'm Michael Groff. Back with the third and final segment of this extravaganza on our pilot episode for the video cast. Uh, I can't guarantee that it's going to be posted at the exact same time as the podcast. I mean, I guess I could technically guarantee it since, you know, I'm in control of that. So that sounds like a dumb statement on my part, but uh, I wanted to get the podcast up as quickly as possible. The video cast will follow. Uh, Very, very shortly after the posting of this fine program. And, of course, we'll be looking for your suggestions. Scroffshow at gmail.com. That is our email address. Scroffshow at gmail.com. I know people are going to be like, you don't look at the camera nearly enough. It's terrible. Why would we even do a video if you're not going to look at the camera? We don't want to see the dumb side of your head. I know. I get it. Um, So I'm going to... You know, I got to remember, I need a director. I need somebody that's going to be a director for this show. We need a a director. We need an executive producer. uh, I need a call screener. Okay, maybe not a call screener. Uh, But we... I know, it's going to become a full-service operation in here. It's already hot enough in this room. Imagine cramming more bodies in here. Anyway, so uh, there is that. Michael Groff... The handle on Twitter, by the way, if you're wondering, it's The Michael Groff Show on Facebook. And for everything else Michael Groff related, the one and only MichaelGroff.com. Go there, listen to previous editions of this program, donate to the show because you want to and because you can. It's all available at the one, the only MichaelGroff.com. All right. Um, I'm very glad that the Australians have figured all this out. Uh, you know,. Uh, There's still the search for the Malaysian Air Flight 370. Now, that was the story. CNN basically devoted, I don't know, about an entire year's worth of programming to Malaysian Flight 370. Uh, What is that? MH370. And now there's, uh, well, the Australians... You know what? They've wanted to weigh in on this investigation, apparently. And I was hoping that we'd have a lead in this story, a break in this story, because no one really knows what happened to this flight. It's very strange that this thing went down and we have no idea exactly what happened to it. Um, It's um, it is one of those big mysteries. And I know there's been all these conspiracy theories out there. But, you know, the people look, the people are dead. Uh, There's really no question about that. Um, But what happened? Well, here's the australians they have a theory uh, we pulled this this is not doctored audio this is a uh, this is from sky news australia or i don't know there's some australian reporter but here let's check this out
1: three and a half years after malaysian airlines flight mh370 disappeared investigators say it is inconceivable that we're no closer to knowing its ultimate fate the Australian Transport Safety Bureau's final report into the search says it's unacceptable that in an era where 10 million passengers fly daily, a large commercial aircraft can vanish. But the report says new studies in the past 12 months have identified the plane's most likely location. MH370 disappeared on the 8th of March 2014 with 239 people on board.
0: Well, that was a useful report. It's unacceptable that this disappeared, mates. Look, mates, it's unacceptable what happened to this flight. Uh, that's what the uh, Australian Transportation Board and their report has concluded, and that's it. So you got to do something about that. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Australia. Uh, so they basically told us nothing new. Uh, we have an idea, roughly, uh, in the general vicinity of where this plane went down. Yeah, everybody else does too. We, we knew that about three, three and a half years ago. Yeah, but did you know that it's unacceptable? Um no uh, you know what thank god for you telling us that it was unacceptable that this plane went down you can't make this up uh that's when i was doing show prep i ran across that i was like oh this could be a new development a new story in the whole uh, mh370 case and you know th- this is a thing we'd heard so much about it for a year but we had no new information like cnn basically was breaking in every day a CNN News Update, the folks aboard MH370 still dead. The plane is still missing. We have no idea what happened. And then they brought on some of these guys that gave us these whacked-out conspiracy theories as to what happened. We had anything from... And literally, CNN would bring on anybody to talk about it. They were as obsessed with that as Greta Van Susteren was with Natalie Holloway. This was literally what CNN devoted an entire year, one full year of broadcasting to tell you and so they were bringing on these experts that literally were telling us anything from aliens abducted the people to the fact that they could be on an island a la lost I mean they were basically telling you anything you wanted to hear and they had all these different experts on there to tell you this stuff and this was going on regularly and now I I said oh so I'm doing show prep today and I came across this and I was like well this this has got to be this has got to be new. Now, maybe I missed something in this. And, you know, because sometimes I am quick to jump to a conclusion. So let me play this back again because maybe I missed something in this. Here we go. Three
1: and a half years after Malaysian Airlines flight MH370 disappeared, investigators say it is inconceivable that we're no closer to knowing its ultimate fate. So they're saying it's inconceivable
0: that we're no closer to knowing its ultimate fate. Uh, No, it's pretty conceivable because we're not.
1: The Australian Transport Safety Bureau's final report into the search says it's unacceptable that in an era where 10 million passengers fly daily, a large commercial (laughs) aircraft can vanish. But the report says new studies in the past 12 months have identified the plane's most likely location. MH370 disappeared on the 8th of March 2014 with 239 people on board.
0: <laughs> nope, I didn't miss any details and apparently neither did the, the folks in Australia. Good job, Australia. Oh my God, you guys really nailed it. Alright, let's, uh, let's do this. Let's get to the song of the day. The zip code famous Michael Groff show. Song of the day. Alright, uh, some time ago, Uh, I was listening to the radio. There's a little bit of a build-up here to this story. Some time ago, I was listening to the radio. And I I heard the song Money for Nothing by the Dire Straits, Come On. And, you know, I've heard the song many, many times, hundreds of times since the 80s. And, you know, it's a good song. Uh, And of course, now, because we're in the politically correct era that we are, uh, they play the edited version. And because apparently it is wrong to say the word faggot. But that is what is in the song. Meanwhile, we play a bunch of these rap songs. We hear that Kanye West song where he says, uh, uh, you know, I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no broke nigga. You know, he says that. That's okay. The word nigga is okay. Uh, The word faggot is apparently not. A A racial pejorative is okay. A... A sexual preference pejorative, even though it wasn't necessarily used in that context in the song, if you actually listen to it. Uh, apparently, that is uh, that is not OK. But I um, I just said, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe this is something that I'm I'm just behind the times about. And, you know, I hear the radio stations. They play the edited version now uh, where they just take the verse out completely. They don't even edit out the word. They just edit out the entire verse so i guess for the song of the day i think it's only appropriate that i play the well i'm not going to play the eight minute version i'm not going to play the album cut but i'm going to play what was the original radio cut where they don't edit out any verses so um here you go dire straits it's a great song money for nothing and it's right here the zip code famous michael groff show
1: is all yeah. the
0: song of the day right there. That is Money for Nothing. It's the Dire Straits. And you know what? I was listening and tell you what, nothing offensive about that. I don't know why we can't have anything nice anymore, why we can't play anything on the radio that, oh, I forget. It's only okay if it's in hip-hop or if it's in pop music, like current pop music. Do You listen to current pop music? Well, I mean, if you've listened to this show, you've heard the pop chart. Half of the songs are about banging, they're about doing drugs, they're about... I mean, they just—they don't even really hide it. There's no subtlety about sex and all that stuff. That's okay. We can have any of that. We can have racial pejoratives. We can talk about banging. We can talk about uh, whatever. Uh, But if we dare to talk about anything that has to do with, uh, well, if we say the word faggot, I mean, that's especially, even if it's said tongue-in-cheek, even if it's said in a way that was not really intended to be hurtful or slanderous to any particular individual, uh, that's bad. Alright, I guess I know the rules now. I'm still going to listen to that version of the song. I'm sorry if that makes me an insensitive asshole, but, uh, well, I'm used to it. Who gives a f- It's the news that the media wastes valuable newsprint megabytes and airtime reporting.
1: Do you want me to give you my things I don't care about speech against?
0: And the only question we're left asking is, who gives a fuck? It's our ongoing efforts to expand the demographics of this program, and that's why I bring you stories that I may not necessarily care about. And some of you in this audience may not either, but obviously there's a lot of people that do because, for whatever reason, we're spending a lot of time and a lot of publications on this kind of stuff, and that's why uh, we're going to get into that right now. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know if I can continue with the show, quite frankly. Uh, Quite frankly, no, for real. I, um, this is some. I hope you guys are sitting down. Chelsea Handler. She's announced that she will end her Netflix talk show, Chelsea, after two seasons. She wants to focus on political activism. Boy, let's hope she's a better activist than she was a talk show. If she. If she was. If she's as good an activist as she was a comedian. And talk show host? I don't think anything's going to get done politically either. (laughs) Wow. Well, she was awful. Um, The star announced uh, after a lengthy post on her social media pages that the show uh, will come to an end. It began in 2016 as a three-episode-per-week series after mixed reviews. And I don't know. uh, That's a very generous term. After mixed reviews, Chelsea returned for season two as a weekly one-hour program that saw the hosts travel the world and speak to a variety of guests and engage in uh, a bunch of, uh, well, more politically slanted humor. Quote, like so many across the country, the past presidential election and the countless events that have unfolded since have galvanized me from the national level down to the grassroots. It's clear our decisions at the ballot box next year will mark a defining moment for our nation. Uh, For these reasons, I've decided not to return for another season of Chelsea. And uh, instead, she wants to devote more time to becoming a, uh, a more knowledgeable and engaging citizen. Well, good luck, because you certainly weren't doing that as host of the Chelsea show. Listen, I know that people are going to get on me for this. I, I don't... Let's be honest. I don't find very many female comedians to be funny. Um, call it a chauvinist or call it the fact that they're just not funny. Um, the only people I, I, I... Look, Sarah Silverman's all right. and I, Lisa Lampanelli was pretty funny. The Probably the crudest person you'll ever see, ever. Um... And I thought that for a while Amy Schumer was pretty funny until you found out that, yeah, of course she's funny because she lifted all of her jokes from everybody else. So, yeah, Amy Schumer was pretty funny, but now it turns out she's a hack. And Chelsea Handler's a hack. And I, I honestly gave her show a chance. And I have people that are close to me and I've had people that have emailed me over the years. Oh, yeah, she's she's great. Chelsea Handler's great. I tried to watch two episodes. I honestly made a go of it. And I just couldn't get through it. I just don't... And then when I saw... She made a comment about Melania Trump uh, last year. And she talked about how Melania's um, English is poor. And she made fun of her accent and all this. And I thought, well, Melania Trump speaks five languages. And you barely speak one. And you certainly don't speak the language of comedy. So... I hope your political activism gives you at least the knowledge that Melania Trump is smarter than you. You may not think she is because her name ends with Trump and she did marry Donald Trump, which certainly is not a feather in her cap. Uh, But honestly, she's smarter than you are and probably more politically active than you are as well. I'm sorry, Chelsea Handler just always touches off a nerve with me. I, I just don't find her to be engaging or funny or... I always ask people to tell me one bit that she's done. That's been great. And no one can ever just do that. So there you go. Uh, Jeopardy. Well, you know, the, the guy Austin Rogers that was on there, he was winning some money for a while. Uh, he got booted off by uh, Scarlett Sims. Was that her name? Anyway, he's not the champion anymore on Jeopardy. He was the controversial guy, the guy that went on and basically pulled a trumpet and said, I'm a genius. Uh, Frankly, I'm the smartest guy. That's why I'm going to keep winning at Jeopardy. Well, he did win over 400 and some thousand. And now they have a guy on there, um, Manny Abel or Manny Abel. He uh, yesterday became or the other day became the three day champion on Jeopardy. And he did did it in grand fashion. He won by uh, finishing Final Jeopardy with $1. So Jeopardy really getting exciting now. (laughs) The other two zeroed out. He finished with $1. That's the first time that's happened in about 20 years on Jeopardy. Um, Oh, I I forgot to mention this too, since uh, Chelsea Handler is, you know, she's ending her time on Netflix. You know Netflix... Now we talked about them last time. Netflix is raising their uh, their rate from ten to eleven dollars. But what you probably don't know is that Netflix is spending around eight billion dollars on original programming, which is more, and that's eight billion dollars. That's more than ESPN is spending on original programming. I mean, they'll just throw anything up there. I know they got Adam Sandler up there doing some kind of garbage and they've got all these other shows and some of them are good and some of them are the Full House reboot. (laughs) I don't know, man. All I know is when I go on Netflix, the most frustrating thing for me is when I see something that says "Uh, not available to stream. You have to like get a DVD and have them send it to you, which I know was a Netflix original thing. Like that was when they first started and I've been with Netflix... Pretty much since they started. Maybe about a year after. And I know that was their whole thing. Like, they sent you a DVD, and then you just sent it back, and it was all cool. And you could have as many as you want. It was like six bucks a month or something like that. And now it's ten, and soon it's going to be eleven. But, I mean, bil- they're spending billions on original programming, and and some of it's okay, but, like I said, most of it's Adam Sandler and Full House Rebooted. I haven't watched Full House Reboot. Is Bob Saget still on there? They must be paying him a decent amount of money. I don't know. All right, comedian Artie Lang in the hospital again. This time, uh, not for heroin. At least doesn't seem so. Uh, He had to cancel a show in Ohio on Saturday night after being hospitalized for high blood sugar, according to TMZ. Lang, a Union, New Jersey native, suffers from diabetes according to the report, and was under doctor's orders to not fly to Ohio. So he's um, he's off for a while. But at least it's not heroin. At least that's not yet. So there's this movie out called The Snowman. It's a Michael Fassbender movie. And uh, I don't know, I saw... When I'm watching, this is the problem with watching um, YouTube on your phone. I don't have ad blocker on my phone or anything like that. Of course, I've got it on all my computers in here, but on my phone, I don't have it. So you see these trailers, and that's one of the things, the snowman. Yeah, it's got a 10% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) Not a single review that I read, and I I went down, you know, all these different critics they have from the Boston Globe and the Post and the Washington Times or whatever, all these different reviews that basically said it sucked. Have you've got a ten percent review on Rotten Tomatoes, and let me tell you, I'm pretty sure the Dungeons and Dragons movie did better than um, a ten percent review on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know for sure, but. got to guess that it did. All right, and then David Cross. Now, he was on the show Arrested Development, and this just shows you how PC the world has gotten. He has to apologize because he might have said something offensive to an Asian 10 years ago. Might have. He doesn't remember it, but Charlene Yee says that uh, she recalls Uh, her encounter with the Arrested Development star, and says that she was outraged. And now he's... This is the biggest mistake you can make. I don't care if you're a talk show host, a columnist, an actor. Don't ever apologize. If you said something... Now, if you really feel bad, if you think that you really screwed up and you said something slanderous or whatever... But, I mean, if you just made a joke, never apologize for a joke, no matter who it offends. I've been doing this show off and on for... Over 17 years. Never apologized for it. I've apologized because I've done terrible segments. Like the show where I shaved my head for the first time. That, I apologize for that because that was just terrible radio. I don't apologize for shaving my head. I just apologize for bad radio. That is probably... I would have to say of all the shows I've ever done, if if, if anyone ever were to ask me if I ever became more than zip code famous... If I ever come back and someone says, "Yeah, what is your worst memory uh, in the in media?" I would say, "Oh, for sure, the episode of my show where I shaved my head. That is bar none, far and away, the biggest mistake I ever made doing this show." So, let that be a lesson. Never do because. To those of you who uh, probably, most of you in this audience never heard that. That was way back in 2001. I said if the Arizona Diamondbacks won the World Series, I would shave my head. They won the World Series. I shaved my head. On the air. Why not? So, um, I had someone else do it. I didn't do it myself back then. That was another big mistake. I should have just done it myself. But I I managed to get everything set up in my backyard. I... Um, I was out there. I had it all mic'd up and everything. And this thing was... Uh, this chick that was shaving my head, cut, she cut my ear uh, right... If you're watching on the video cast, it's like right right here, right on this this part of the ear, this little tiny bit of skin. And that just does not stop bleeding. It didn't hurt too bad, but I could feel it. I mean, just blood is going everywhere. I and mean, luckily, the shave was... That part was a success, but it took way too long. She took forever to do it. This is a, a friend of, a, of my girlfriend at the time. And this was, I will say, a, the worst, the worst show I've ever done by far. Some shows I, I try to forget. That's one I could never forget. <laughs> so anyway, the bottom line is, though, If you say something on the air, don't ever apologize for it. That's just admitting guilt. Anyway, the guy apparently, this uh, David Cross, apparently said something like, Ching Chong Ching Chong about Asians and for some... I don't know what the context was. I guess we're just not allowed to tell any jokes anymore. Someone's going to have to send me a memo so I can just read it on the air. Okay. Uh, these are the things I'm not allowed to say anymore. Uh, these, This is an official declaration from the Bureau of Ethical Standards for Broadcasting. Yeah. Not allowed to say this list of words. And these references. And I'm not allowed to offend because this will offend the following groups. That's so stupid that we have to have this kind of a silly bunch of standards. Uh, Taco Bell. Taco Bell is unveiling a new product. No wonder everybody has diabetes. The Kit Kat Chocoladia has been sold in the UK for about a year, and now it's coming to the United States. It'll be started at a uh, select location, at some locations, select locations in Wisconsin. Well, of course, Wisconsin. I've made this claim for years, and I'm wondering if anybody can ever disprove it. If you watch Brewers games or Bucks games on TV and they pan around the crowd, find a thin person. There is not a thin person in Wisconsin. I've been to Wisconsin. I've watched a lot of Wisconsin sporting events. Not a single thin person Exists in Wisconsin And I understand why Look, uh, half the year It's it's unlivable outside It's cold as hell And um, I mean, you know What are you going to do? You're stuck inside In the summer I mean, yeah it's The weather's pretty nice But now you're too fat So you can't go out and exercise You're just going to sit outside Oh, the weather sure is nice out today Isn't it? Oh, yeah, it sure is Sure, for sure. Ah, yeah. So, I don't know. That's um, <laughs> the chocoladilla. Is that what they're calling this thing? The Kit Kat chocoladilla, Taco Bell. They also, uh, well, they have, they also have a, well, they have a regular chocoladilla. I don't know what's, uh, that's, um, it's got, let's see, chocolate chips in it. First of all, I don't want chocolate mixed with meat or lettuce or whatever meat substitute that they have in their food at Taco Bell. I uh I don't get it. That's one I don't understand. <laughs> the chocoladia. Can you imagine? Um, so there you go. That's... Uh, look for that coming to a Taco Bell near you, especially if you're in Wisconsin. And they want universal health care in this country. Can you imagine what happens when we have universal health care? I mean, like, true universal health care, because we will eventually. Do you know what the medical expenses are going to be on all these fatties? And believe me, I can say this because I'm a fat guy myself, okay? I'm not exactly... I could stand to lose some weight. So this is not... Um, I know, people are going to say, how dare you? But uh, the rules are... Remember, if you're of a certain group, you can make fun of people in that group. Like, I can make fun of blind people or other disabled people because I'm a disabled person. Uh, I can make fun of white people because I'm white. And I can make fun of fat people because I'm fat. Maybe I'm not morbidly obese, uh, but I'm certainly fat enough that I can make fun of other fat people. Uh, That's the rule. And so when we have universal health care and everybody is um, paying for everybody else and this country goes broke because everybody has diabetes or heart disease or... All the other complications that come with being a fat ass. What are we going to do? We can look at Taco Bell. This is this is the tipping point. This is the event horizon. This is where it all went bad for us in this country. Uh, when we had the Kit Kat Chocoladia. And I know someone's going to email me and go, Well, Mike, you're going to try it. You know you aren't. No, you know what? I got to tell you. Um, Kit Kat, like chocolate and taco meat chocolate and ground beef chocolate and chicken does not sound like a good combination to me like I like chocolate and I like chicken I like chocolate, I like ground beef I like chocolate, I like lettuce I like some sauce and stuff like that you know um, like whatever, you know, I I like all the uh, salsa and all that kind of stuff, but no not all mixed together, no Anyway, groffshow at gmail.com That's the email address Michael Groff on Twitter The Michael Groff Show on Facebook MichaelGroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related Thanks for joining us for the pilot edition of the videocast Of the zip code famous Michael Groff Show You got suggestions for us, let us know And we'll be back again with yet another fun edition of whatever the hell this is It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show Thanks so much for checking us out Good night, everybody